Woke up this morning with the sundown shining in him. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Trip. On a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind on a jagged sky. Okay, you know you guys aren't privy to all the new. So, uh, you know that's what you uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. There's just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f*** are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sundown shining in the... Well, I'm going to pay a Should have been burned here in a little bit, but in the meantime... We have Greg Pappas, who's our, our guest this morning. He's also helping out on the board. I'm here. You're a double-double duty guy. I can't guy. see you, but I'm here. Double-duty dude, you know, that kind of a thing. That's the Futures Up 8, and the Up 36, so it looks like we're going to be bullish again today after a huge run-up last week. Uh, after the Fed meeting, we just went flying up for... Some of the stuff was up uh, dramatically, and the SPYs were up like, you know, 20, 20 strikes. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, kind of a lot. Uh as we just we just keep ratcheting back and forth and what the Fed is going to do or not do, pour money in the system, maybe take it out, and all of a sudden the valuations fly one way or the other. And it's not, it's not crazy that they're doing that. I mean, it really isn't because when you think about interest rates and how you value stuff, you value stocks one hell of a lot different at 5% than you do at 3% or 2%. The, the question is, why, why is the Fed doing this? I mean, are they doing it so certain people get rich? Are they doing it because... They're help doing it to help themselves. They're doing it to, <laughs> or they're doing it to help somebody. Or you could just be of... You know, I, I, you know, there's no question I have, uh, I won't say issues with... Uh, there's a lot of people who feel that all the mistakes in retrospect they have made and all the ridiculous, you know, this is a transitory thing, this is this and that, all the ridiculous announcements was all just meant by really good people just seeing things the wrong way and uh god when i was young i used to think that way i sure as hell don't anymore uh the uh you know i i i, I you know it's hard for me to imagine that jerome powell is a sinister but maybe he just is being led i don't know but somehow or another this is just not the way to do things um do we have mr kevin who said he might pile in on the sports part of this good morning hey how are you i'm doing all right all things considered um Looks like looks like we're going to get the last nice day of the year today. Um, that's going to be high fifties the rest of the week. That's not bad for November. Yeah, but when I say nice day, it's going to be in the sixties. You know, yeah. and it starts to turn back into November. And um, I always figure whenever whenever we get a nice day, that it's the last nice day of the year. If we get another one two weeks from now, cool. But <laughs> well, I need I need one more because we did uh, we managed to because after how many Saturdays in a row it was lousy. I had guys over and were working like fiends over my place all weekend, so or on Saturday, so all I did was run back and forth to Home Depots and Menards. And you know, Kevin, when you when you're ready to observe, you know, on the road, I'm like a Stocks and Jacks Cub reporter. When you're ready to observe, you can observe a lot. And uh, what, what did Yogi say? You can you can 
you see, well, you can absorb a lot by looking, or what was it, what was the, what was the uh, by looking around, <clears throat> something along those lines. Something along those lines, yeah. Um, so I, I my uh, guys that work at my place, um, <clears throat> one of the younger guys loves a Chick Fil A, right? And I, uh, I'm I'm sort of amazed at this place. I go there and uh, there's one on Ford and it's always crowded. And I wander in, and uh, people are very friendly. Uh, it's clean. They, there's enough people in there to get people in and out of there pretty quick. But it's it's first of all, they pick on a thing that's the that's the cheapest you can buy is chicken. You know, at the Peoria Market last week it was what a buck seventy nine for boneless, skinless breasts. And they do what? They do anywhere from six to eight million dollars per store. Yeah, it's unreal. Revenue. It's unbelievable. So, so you go in there, and uh, so you order the stuff up. Every sandwich. Is is way too small for somebody to actually have for lunch. I mean, even I'm, you know, I'm a big guy, but even even kids. I mean, you got to have fries, you got to have some chicken tenders or something with it. The price of that stuff is to the moon. So the guy in front of me, he's got two daughters and maybe a eight year old kid, maybe nine. Daughters maybe sixteen, fourteen. So you order a sandwich, and of course you got to get a side, right? And maybe some fries and a in a in a, in a soft drink. Guess what the number was? For the f- uh, about a hundred dollars. Eighty-one. I thought that was bad enough. Close and, uh, enough. I was just going Rain Man on you. And I'm saying I'll bet the cost of goods in the bag. What do you think, Greg? Six, seven. Uh, cost of good? No, way more. Yeah, fully fully loaded, or I'm uh, saying. Or, so what are they? What are they? Or, or just uh, cost of goods sold? They couldn't have had two pounds of chicken. Yeah, they're definitely. three fifty or four. They've got a they, few buns. How, how many sandwiches do you think? I think there were four sandwiches, but then they had the strips. The, the Twelve strips, which can't can't be three ounces, is like eight bucks. Yeah. Then the cokes are, um, of course, to the moon. Yeah, I mean that's that's the easiest one. That's a good one. Yeah, I mean, how much are French fries? Nothing. Yeah, they're not that much. Yeah. So then, but then where where was the where was the it's Suburbs? On, no, it's one on Fortin. The place is mad. Oh, yeah. I mean, so then, so then I'm walking out, and there's a big sign on the door, "Help wanted, 17, 17 to eighteen bucks an hour." Now, I don't really care what price of lunch is. Three people, I guess, about what twenty twenty to twenty five bucks. Three people want for the cost of what whatever. Uh, they not, not all chicken. Chicken's cheap. Well. Not all chicken. Well, it's not it's not cheap anymore, but it's not it's not that expensive either. I would, I would it's guess not as expensive as beef, and it's not as expensive as some other things. But yeah, beef is one way up. You can too. go in and spend six ninety nine a pound on chicken. That's historically. I think high. I did. I did. Uh, what did I do yesterday? I did four and three quarters for decent chicken. Um, yeah, it depends on what you're buying too. Are you buying chicken breast? You're buying chicken yeah. thighs? Yeah, yeah, chicken uh, chicken or breast. Are buying, or are you buying parts? Because parts is parts. Right. Yeah. If right. you get breasts, it's, uh, yeah, it's different. What I'm saying is, is the matchup. So if you if you start to work there for seventeen, eighteen bucks an hour, you work all morning, and you take your three kids to lunch at the place, you're down on the day. There's not a matchup there. You should lunch shouldn't cost. <laughs> Four hours work. You're, you're going with the uh, Henry Ford routine that, that you know his employees should be able to afford to get their cars. Well, I mean, Kevin, when you and I, when we were back doing you know the, the manual labor as we both did when we were youths, uh, 
mean, you, you made, and I was making on uh, truck tax, I was making, you know, ten, eleven dollars an hour. I mean, what was a hot dog? Buck and a half. It was not still a buck, buck and a half at Costco. Yeah, <laughs> what I'm saying is, is, is we're 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 out of the, we're way beyond what people can afford. I mean, that's is all I'm saying. We're talking about a fast food restaurant. We're not going to sit down dinner either. Well, and if you go to McDonald's, that's going to be cheaper. I mean, if not you go much. to McDonald's, yeah, yeah, yeah it's, not much. I, it, know, it definitely is because I don't, go, I don't go to any of them, so it, it you know it's hard for me to say for sure. I can do some market research for you there, <laughs> and I'll eat for the little everybody's kids too. Prices are up, and um, and yeah, in, in terms of real wages, we, we're not getting a lot of progress there, and. So I won't argue with you. At least, at least they're polite at Chick Fil A, though. So well, yeah, they're real nice. There's no doubt about that. Hey, uh, we're, we want to talk a little bit here. I'm guessing it's it's 55 to 60 at, at McDonald's. Uh, probably. Anyway, so we we all were, we're, I was talking to a uh, Greg, and he normally doesn't uh, get in on the sports stuff as much, but I, I uh, having before I go into this refereeing stuff, I will say this: once in a while, I listen to my mother, unlike maybe most people. And when I went to, first went to Vegas, she said, now, if you're going to bet on sports, I hope you're smart enough to use your head. And I go, what do you mean by that? And she goes, never bet on Notre Dame or the Bears because you, you never want to, when there's any betting involved, there can be no heart, there can be only head. Do most mothers give people this kind of advice? But, uh, and she's right about that. So when I look at the officiating thing, I look at, uh, final way, by the way, Peoria Market, boneless chicken breast, $1.59 a pound, just so you guys know. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I, that sounds yeah, like a good deal. I've seen that, and I don't know how long. So, well, maybe so we're somebody, in town somebody's got a special deal. How much do you have to buy? Is it a quantity deal? No, this is the place where you go and you put the gloves on. You put it in the bag yourself. I love this place. Wow. Yeah. You pick your own ribs. You you, you pile through them with your plastic gloves on. You throw them in your bag, and off you go. Anyway, so I uh, we've kind of hinted around since we have all this betting on sports. Uh. You know, when, when is this those f- those uh, companies can't make any money either. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that makes me laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> Guaranteed ten percent. So we went. You know, we have the Irish play Saturday, and they played out of Clemson, and you know they could have played better, and they, and they lose. And That's of course, hard. and of course, our guys, you know, are all over the, the officiating. They they're, they're going with their head. Or the heart, not with their oh, head. Well, yeah, but you got to admit, Clemson didn't even get a flag. They, Notre Dame didn't even get a chance to decline a penalty, and that's the first time it's happened for Clemson since 1952. Well, that's my point. I mean, but even if so you're, as, as Warden Norton said, Lord, it's a miracle. Yeah. Well, that's, that's my point. The the, if the the flags were ten zip. How how can that even be in in, in college ball? It's like. Well, I can see well, where the it, Bulls. It can be. It can be it, skewed, Tom. Yeah. It can't. You know, there's there's no doubt about it. I didn't see a whole lot of stuff. You know, like uh, you know, pass interferences or anything like that that should have been called on Clemson. Um, but you know, things like holding come into play here. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, and, and and the inability to call anything there. But yeah, it, it, that's such an improbable stat um, that uh, that you have to be scratching your heads. Well, I. But it's not as bad as the Alabama game. No, Go but ahead. the weird the weird part about the Alabama game is is <laughs> I don't I don't know what it is. We're, we're in a world, Kevin, where if something is egregious, how can I put this in a South Side term? As you, as you uh, drive down the Dan Ryan, okay, and all, once in a while you'll actually somebody pulled over. 
there's a there's a type of type of person in the world would say, man, the cops are out today. I better watch it. And other people say, there's only one cop and he's already stopped. Now he goes fast. I want. <laughs> so so there, there's like, you know, there's different kinds of people in the world. Well, two weeks ago, was it two or three weeks ago? I didn't see the whole game. I saw bits and pieces of it, but evidently Tennessee went down to Alabama and just got reamed by the refs. By everybody, every every stretch of every imagination, they, they couldn't believe and all the stuff I saw on TV how the Tennessee coach managed to hold his tongue in the after game press conference instead of like just ripping on the whole system and getting himself a huge fine. But he but he kept his tongue. And now here it is. Two weeks later, they're playing LSU. And LSU, I mean, I have no no heart for those guys either, but. The, the the LSU quarterback is pretty darn good, and Alabama starts going away a little bit in the second half, so they got a decent lead. But only maybe this kid could bring him back. He, he drops back. This guy from Alabama races at him. After he lets go of the ball, nails him with the top of his helmet, right in the, right in the face mask, but doesn't stop there. Drives the guy down with his head all the way into the ground. I'm sitting there going, if there's a policeman there, they should arrest this guy. Well, they throw the flag. And there's not even a review. And Gary Danielson, and you can just tell how much the, the announcers are tongue-tied by this. They, they can't say a word. Gary Danielson, I think, is pretty good. He's an older dude. He goes, well, you know, you think there would, there would like be some kind of review on that one. So then they, they punt to their uh, – what's the knucklehead who uh, – the official, the old official they have on the side. He goes, well, there's three things you're not supposed to do, and he did all three of them. You're not, supposed to, you're not supposed to target. You're not supposed to drive anybody into the ground. And, oh, by the way, you're not supposed to hit somebody late. Yeah, you're not supposed to launch. You're not supposed to hit them, in, you know, lead with your head, all of that. And then he drove them into the ground, which you're not supposed to do either. So so the guy, of course, wobbles out, and he's in a concussion tent, and he doesn't know what, what city he's in. So they, they essentially knocked the guy out of the game. No review, didn't throw the guy out, nothing. And I'm sitting there going, you know, what, what is what is with Alabama? I mean, Kevin, when you and I were young – Anybody who showed for up for anyone who hasn't seen the video, um, <laughs> it was. Some... I tweeted it for the listeners. I, I tweeted it a, a few minutes ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was the other side of that would be he was a little. He was right after the throw. He came in. He came in high because he was probably trying to block the block the throw. But he wrapped up on top, and his helmet actually came in. The I don't know, was it head to head? Yeah, yeah. That so it was head to head. Andy came in high and took him down with the momentum yeah. high. So it looked it looked like a spear only at his neck. But he kept it going until he yeah. hit the ground. Yeah, he kept it <laughs> instead of you know blasting him or something, just taking the shot and pulling. He drove him down into the ground also. So that yeah. well, and that wasn't the only hit on Daniels. The, the LSU quarterback. Yeah, they were clearly um, trying to get cause, him. Because I, uh, I also tweeted a, uh, a a horse collar that wasn't called that wasn't called. So at least they got roughing the passer on that one. But um, uh, a horse collar tackle is when you grab uh, essentially by the sh- you know the neck opening on the shoulder pads, and so he gets grabbed and swung around and swung right into another Alabama player who just blasts the crap out of him. Um, and and so that one's pretty bad too. Tom, I emailed that to you, so you what, should. Well, so you what? Should what is it with these? Is it is it the Southern school thing? I remember uh, if if ever you showed up when we were real young, Kevin. If you showed up at, at Kentucky with like a black player on your basketball team, the guy was out by the by halftime. You know, what I mean, is it, is this a Southern school thing? Is this 
What, what is going uh, on here with these well, idiots? I, here's where I think the problem lies, more than anything else. Um, I, I think that it lies in the fact that the, in college football, unlike in college basketball, the officials work for the conference. And so they are going to do what is in the best interest of the uh, con uh, uh, conference. Now, sometimes that is going to show up uh, in who's favored to win. Who, you know, for instance, if Georgia, um, you know, Georgia is uh, is on track to be uh, again in the college football playoffs, and if they were playing a game that might knock them out of the college football playoffs, I think you would see a bias towards that. Is it over cheating? Uh, I don't know. But it is, you know, most bias shows up as an unconscious type of bias rather than uh, a conscious. So what you described with Kentucky, that would be a very conscious, explicit type of bias. Uh, when you see uh, unconscious bias, it's just a tendency to favor one team over the other. And you, you see it in games like Notre Dame going to Clemson with ACC refs because Notre Dame is stupid about this. They have an affiliation with the ACC for other sports, so they use ACC refs. The convention in college football is the visiting team brings its conferences refs if it's an inter uh, interconference game. Um, and so, first of all, the Irish are playing against ACC refs. The Irish were beating themselves more than anything else so let's let's be clear about this nobody I'm, I'm not blaming the officials for losing the game for them I am saying they, they played terribly but um, uh, still damn near one but the you know when when the visiting when when a team is on the road and it uh, well when a team is just playing uh, and and the referees are representing uh, another conference they're going to have in their mind that they're representing that, that conference's interest. It's, you know, it's, it's an unconscious type of bias that's there. But it's just as bad in this, uh, inside the conference because there is the always the issue of who is favored to win. Watch coming down the stretch um, and, see if, and, and watch for calls that are going to favor Ohio State and Michigan because those two are in line to make the college football playoffs. The Big Ten's going to want them both in there. Don't be surprised if you see a lot of bias in their direction. What makes you think? I mean, I guess you're 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 being nicer. It's unconscious. I mean, there's a lot of plays in football, baseball. I mean, you watch a a baseball game with a really good pitcher, and it was the, who was the one color guy one night was saying uh, both pitchers because it's going to be a really tough game for the home plate umpire because 85 percent of the pitches are going to be in the black. You know, it's a question of you know, do you hang on to the one where you need and 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 go that way, or do you do you give do you give somebody two shots a game? And the NBA, and back in the day, I thought it was crooked. All so it was crooked. It was almost like professional wrestling, um, where the home team miraculously got two plays, two calls in the last couple of minutes. When you know, back way back in the day, and uh, I, you know, you, you wonder how how it can zoom back and forth from unconscious to conscious. Um, you know, I don't. When you well, let me let me give you an example. Um, the uh, uh, um, what's his name, Rodman. You know, uh, Rodman used to get a lot of calls against him just because he was Dennis Rodman. He, he was he was a jerk, and so they went out of their way to get him. That was a very conscious, very explicit type of bias. But superstars getting the calls, I don't know that that's quite so 
intentional, like you know, like they're they're saying, "Oh, put the whistle back down." Uh, Mike, that's Michael Jordan. Um, I, I just think they bias towards the stars, um, you know, and, and they're they're as in awe of the things that they can do as anybody else, and it shows up in how they call the game. Well, but, I also think they out, singling out Rodman was clearly. <laughs> That was well, clearly, if there was uh, a guy that deserved it, it probably was him. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, but that does. But nevertheless, uh, you know, the sports relies on the refs calling the game as they see it, and unfortunately, as they see it, can be a little weird sometimes, um, based on you know on their preconceived notions. Whereas um, when when they're just singling out a person and going after them. You know that's not as they see it. Well, there, that, there's the star that's, issue. That's a totally different thing. Well, we've we've added the part that we got to dash here, Kevin. But the the part that I what we've added to the mix in the last few years is the gambling part. Mm. We, you know, we've added we have the okay, which team should win so the so the the uh, the conference has a better chance of putting somebody in the final four. Okay, we get that. Uh, you don't call a bunch of they don't call them homer calls for nothing. You're not going to get 15 crummy calls against Alabama at Alabama. It's not going to happen. Seemingly more so in Southern uh, and, schools. And than crowds right. intimidate as well. Yeah. So seemingly, yeah. you know, seemingly more so at Southern schools and more than I don't quite know why. Um, I don't know that that's true. What? I, I said I don't know. I don't know that I agree with that. Well, maybe maybe I'm showing my age and that the old guys, Bear Bryant, never got a bad call. You know, I mean, these guys get these legends about them. Maybe, maybe it's yeah, the coach. I, I, I see favoritism in the uh, in the Big Ten as well. So okay, well, um, the uh, oh, by the way, I have to mention this as, a, as sort of a red blood. Did you see the combo? I don't know what, what was the weather like at the Notre Dame Clemson game. Did you it was see? Beautiful. Did you see the? Uh, it must have been chilly in the morning because there was a group of they of course got the camera on them. It was five or six young ladies with knit caps on and halter tops. <clears throat> I thought that was one hell of a combo. Just saying. I think halter tops and anything is a hell of a combo. Well, anyway, the knit cap and the cap. But anyway, but now I'm wondering, Kevin, are we ever going to add this gambling mix to the game? When especially one team's winning, and you have uh, second half bets and things like that, where you can give the, the losing team a call in the second half, and they they win the second half, and nobody even cares because the winner still wins by 20 instead of 25. I. I I don't know how immune these people are from this, especially when they go to casinos. All the rest of it. the referees can go can be in a casino all year now, right? Same as the players. Yeah. So, how many referees are there in the world? Just college football and pro football. Football. Uh, I'm not asking for an answer. I'm just saying it's a big number, right? I, don't know, I was going to say five hundred thousand. Okay. Do you think out of five hundred, nobody's touched by gambling? None. No, not a chance. <laughs> Statistically, that would be highly improbable. Um, there's the the couple of guys that I met that were referees. Uh, we went to an Ohio State game one time, and uh, they were CPAs from Wisconsin. They just did this in the summer. They weren't they had full time jobs. I, I would doubt that most of these guys would 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 mess with their full time CPA job to, to gamble on a game. But that doesn't mm-hmm. mean people won't. I mean, yeah, it it happens. It happens. You know, people. Uh, you know, people lose their uh, uh, their jobs and their professions to uh, addictions of various kinds all the time. So what I'm saying is, I th- do I think most referees would not get involved 
in, in gambling and would not compromise themselves or a game for gambling, yeah, I think most of them would not. But I have no belief that there's none. Well, my, I guess my question to you is, Mr. And then we'll, then we'll boot you. Uh, my question to you, Mr. Analyst, supply chain this, check this out, quality, quality assurance guy. Is somebody somewhere looking at every one of these games and saying, wow, this game was 10-0, to zero. who are the refs? Next week, there's a game that's 12-2, to two. who are the refs? If they're the same guy, are we having somebody looking for patterns at least at, at some level or not? I don't know. I would hope so, but I don't know. I, I have not read or seen anything about that. But I would hope that the same people who were refereeing the Tennessee-Alabama game that got that massive national attention weren't the same people doing the LSU-Alabama game, but maybe they were. Might have been. Boy, would that be a a fun coincidence. Yeah. But, I mean, this is is somewhat simple, at least on some level, to try and... You're you're never going to know the guy who makes... says, I'll give you one call, you know, if you take 100,000 off my... My my uh, gambling bill. You're never gonna. I don't think you're ever gonna find that the one call because there's calls all over the place, right? Uh, but oh, it, it's it's the call you make and when you make it. You know, yeah. you can do a lot. You can do a lot just spotting the football. Yeah, I, I get it. Well, Kevin, thank you for helping out on the sports stuff. Be right back with uh, Greg Pappas. Now that he's in here as a commentator, and now we have Mr. John Flanagan calling in. We got to talk about. Uh, we got some stocks Greg has for us, and we have to talk about some uh, real estate. We'll be right back. Stocks and jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630 401 8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. 
I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation of the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. I did not know that. Stocks, jocks, Stocks jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now. Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Alman Burn on the board. SP Futures up 8, NASA Futures up 32, Dow Futures up 18. Looks like we're going to continue our rally of last week, um, which is, uh, you know, I guess that's pretty good. We got guys long, so that's. Europe, not so much, though. DAX down 44.3%, FTSE down 13.2%, GAC Roundup down 36.5%, which um, is kind of different than us here. Bernasia, you got the Nikkei up 758, 2.4%. Get a little of this. And why do these guys do this, Greg? Uh, South Korea stocks surge more than 5% after a short-selling band. Now, were, they, were, they, were they going down that much? They had a pretty short Whoops. Sell. Yeah, whoops <laughs> is right. Let's just, let's get the government even more involved in stock prices. You know, if we just quadruple the stock market, we'll all be rich, right? That's, the, that's the thinking. Yeah, why Hang, not? Hang Seng up 302, 1.7%, almost back to 18,000. 17,966, I mean, real close. Shanghai up 27 points. Let's, let's just manipulate the hell out of everything and just see how, see how well we do. Dow on Friday was up 222, uh, S&P up 40, NASDAQ up 184. So two s- seriously up days in a row. Actually, Wednesday Wednesday afternoon as well. So last week was a, was a terrific week. Uh, U.S. bonds, 10-year up four basis points, 4.6. Still nowhere near the 5% it was before uh, the Fed announcement. The bond up seven basis points, 2.70. Japan down four basis points, 0.87, uh, We have oil, up a dollar eight, eighty-one fifty-nine. Ramp a dollar three, eighty-five ninety-two. Uh, Russia and Saudi allegedly stick to cuts. That's why we're up one percent, but still, it's in the low eighties. It's been there forever. Natural gas down fourteen cents, three thirty-six. Arab up two cents, two twenty-two. We've got gold up down seven, ten, nineteen ninety-two. Still knocking the door at two thousand here. Silver down a penny, twenty-three twenty-seven. Copper up two cents, three seventy. Bitcoin uh, up 181, 35,247. And the US dollar, which has uh, been moving down, it's down again today as the euro is up to 107. It was 105 early last week. 2% in a, buy- in a currency is a lot in a week. Uh, British pound 124, it was 121 last week. Like I said, it's a pretty big move. Uh, Matt, what do you got for us, Trevi Weather Sports? Yeah, good morning. Currently 6.40 a.m. on November 6, 2023. This morning in Chicago, 54 degrees currently, a high of 67. Uh, windy today with partly cloudy skies. Tomorrow, cooler temperatures with some sun. Down in Phoenix, Arizona, clear skies. 63 degrees currently, a high of 92 today. Sunny skies expected there and throughout the week. 
In the NFL yesterday, Bears lost to the Saints with a final score of 24-17. This game marks the Bears' seventh loss this season. So far. <laughs> I think that, that number can only go up, only go up. Uh, that's all I got uh, for now, Chief. Back to you. The, uh, um, guess we're, John Flanagan, he's old enough, he might know this. John, do we have you? Yes, we do. Morning. Um, you were here, how did, how did you like that standard time meeting back in 19, 18, 19, 1883? Were you, were you at that meeting? <laughs> it was in Chicago. Nobody ever consults me about those things. <laughs> the, uh, they used to have a, there were all kinds of different time zones back in the day because the time changed this weekend. As, as usual, John, there's a history to everything, and I don't know the full history of it, but what they did was railroad schedules. As the railroad in the 1880s started to go all over the country, well, had been going pretty far all over the country, but you didn't have, you know, satellite communication. You didn't have anything. You, I'm not even sure you had telegraph, did you? But, uh, but you had, uh, the weird part was, in order for a, a, a train to pull over, because it was like one track, you had to get out of the way of the other train, you had to have, you had to have a time. Okay, and the other guy's coming through at 2.30, I better get my asshole right on the siding so I get out of the guy's way so that we don't head on to each other, which people used to do. Well, all these different areas had different time zones, right, John? Yeah, and, and, and it, it pretty much it was, you know, LaPorte, Indiana time versus South yeah. Bend, Indiana time. <laughs> so they ended up with something called Railroad Standard Time where they made a standard time because of the railroads. And that's what it was called. It was called Railroad Standard Time, wasn't mm. it? Yeah. And uh, because that way at the least... The railroads really pushed it. They, they couldn't make you know reliable timetables that they could distribute nationally or internationally that were meaningful when you know these times meant something different at all the stops along the way. Plus, you didn't really want to head, into, head on to each other. It was bad for people and bad for locomotives. Yeah, bad. bad for business. But they had a... They had a, they had a a meeting in 1883 in Chicago, which was of Chicago, Chicago, yeah, because yeah. uh, and that's how this kind of all got started. And there's still people uh, bitching about whether we should have daylight savings time or not, or, or the other way around. I listened to some lady yesterday talking about some psychologist how horrible it is for people for the hour time change twice a year. I mean, get over it, <laughs> really. It, it, I mean, I, whatever. It's uh, how many how many do more car crashes? How many this? How many that? I mean, I, I hope people aren't. Shouldn't have more car crashes when you go this way. You get an extra hour. Heart sleeping. attacks too. Yeah, heart attack. I don't, yeah. I don't know what that's all about, but uh, heart attacks. Probably loose correlation. Yeah, probably a whatever. So, uh, Jan, what do you make of? Uh, we've been talking about uh, sports and the. I I can't get over when you see, you know, this guy in the Cubs, Stroman, who had a big first half. He was hurt the second half. He's not a kid. And oh, by the way, when he wasn't hurt the second half, he sort of sucked. <laughs> And, he was uh, 500. Okay, right? he was 500. The guy declines a $21 million deal to think he can get better. I I, I guess for some people... Maybe it, he's looking for like a $15 million three-year deal or something. Maybe. Yeah. I think, I, you know, yeah. there, are, there are people that could take $21 million one year and just set themselves up for life. I mean, uh, not, I mean, there are people that could do that. Well, you got if he gave me the money to manage, I think he'd be okay. Smart investors, Tom. Yeah. 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 Come to you for that. Yeah, I would think, you know, God, if you, if you drop me $15 mil, I think I could set you up for a while. Well, <laughs> if I, I put, got expensive taste. Well, yeah, I guess that's... <laughs> <laughs> but well, hell well I, past your longevity on the playing field, you know, it certainly is. Hell, I get you... can't f- earn money, at, you know. That's not even a private jet. I, 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 
What, what can I get you? I can get you a million dollars a year in six-month T-bills, for God's sake. Yeah, oh. but I can't get a private jet. Well, that's right. Not a good one. Right. Yeah. <laughs> got I got to have at least, you know, 20. We had a – somebody came in for a seminar. Uh, in fact, we did seminars. And I at least got to see a private jet, and I got to fly in one. But a guy – he said, hey, come on out and see my private jet. So we was in one of those little spots by Midway. You know, it's like they're like 63rd Street, a little, the little private. Uh, well, obviously, you don't go into the terminal. They're private little terminals for the private ones. So mm-hmm. we go up there, and the guy had a, I think, I think he had a Gulfstream or something. So it was pretty nice. We go in there, and I'm talking to the pilots. And, of course, they have their checklists like everything else. Like, you're, after, a, you know, after a trip, you know, the door in the bathroom does it. There's a million things. There's a million parts on a plane. So they're constantly fixing everything, right? The seat doesn't move back and forth like it's supposed to. We're not talking about engines not working. Yeah, I'm thinking way. you need at least 25 to buy a plane. Oh, yeah. A nice one, at least. Well, so I'm talking to the wife, and, this, and I said, what's the difference between like this and a, a Lear? And she goes, well, you wouldn't have got me on a Lear. And I go, all right, well, I'll, I'll bite. And uh, well, evidently the Lear, the bathroom, was like a porta potty right below behind the pilots. So if you're some lady... You gotta tell a pilot's like to look the other way while you pull the seat back, and there's there's a little little dumper underneath one of the front seats or something bizarre. Like she goes, I I told him I'm not flying all these things unless it has a bathroom. Well, evidently there's the Gulfstream was one of the first to have the full you know regular like bathroom on the thing. Not so sure I'd want to get in one without a bathroom either, but just saying. What if there's some turbulence? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would not be, would not be good. Oh. <laughs> So, I mean, I think this, I, this thing is pretty neat. He had the two pilots. I mean, what do you... God, it's not just the... Uh, you know, had... Uh, what's the guy? The guy flew into the mountain. What's the name? Uh, uh, Uh-oh. God. Lufthansa or the... Uh, no, no, no. The guy, the, the guy had the, the balloon guy. He went around the world in the balloon and then he did all the other stuff. Uh, the, the trader from the trading floor. Tell us his name. I spent so much time monkeying with the guy in all the different committees. I'll think of it. But he had a, his private jet out in... Uh, we were out in, in Colorado, and I'm BSing with the pilots. The pe- pilots, you got to keep the pilots out there for a couple of days. You got to pay them because if they're going back, plus they can't have a drink in case you call up and say, I want to leave. Uh, you know, I, it's a bizarre thing. Plus, this guy was a pilot, was flying around the world, and actually flew himself into a mountain and killed himself. But uh, he, was not, he was not qualified to be the co pilot on a jet. Because he, he actually had two guys. I mean, to buy, to buy a fly a jet, you need two guys. About prop job, I think you just need one, right? And yep. you, you could fly a prop yourself, or, or you could have a pilot, and you could be the co-pilot. But a, a jet, I think you need like two regular guys. And if you're not qualified, God, I can see the guy's face. I can't remember his name. This is bad. Well, John, what do you make of uh, what the Fed said, and what do you make of the what the market's doing? And it seems to be constantly Fed-driven. We have uh, oil can't get out of its own way, despite two big outfits, Russia and, and Saudi allegedly cutting back or maintaining their cuts. We've got two wars on. It's, it is really, really tough to trade here. I mean, this kind of rally just means more money in the system. Uh, at least that's what people are, are perceiving. Uh, and I, I uh, you know, I, w- somebody who's just observing and helps out on the show and reads the stuff and doesn't actually trade all day like I do, wh- what do you see? I mean, uh, as, you know, I'm not asking you to pick two or three stocks that Greg's going to give us in a minute, but I mean, what do you see about about this mess? What do you see? It's driven. What do you think is driving it? Would you be bullish, bearish? Are you worried about the concentration in the stacks? Or you, I mean, where what does a an informed outsider think of this? 
it made me think while you and Kevin were talking, you know, a couple minutes ago about connections between, um, you know, what's happened in, in college sports, but sports generally too. And I, I got thinking, I mean, it's really sort of a branching off of stakeholder capitalism where, you know, in college sports, stakeholder capitalism now says that, you know, the big players are not the athletes on the field. It's the gamblers who are, you know, pitching, you know, whatever in whatever forum and TV advertising kind of says the whole story uh, during these games about who really is got you know, the strings attached to this stuff. And you, you look at what's happening with the Fed, um, and not just in, in this country, but but the just the whole constellation of crazy stuff. You know, with you know the out of control border, the out of control you know programs, so to speak, to place people who are landing in you know cities in this country with no place to go, no place to shelter. You know, no real concentrated effort to make them assimilate. Um, you've got two wars that don't seem to have any, you know, people pleading too loudly for ceasefires. Well, you certainly um, do. And, and uh, by the way, the guy's name is Steve Foster. I just remember. Remember him? Steve Foster, yeah. I, but, I, you know, it, it's, to me, it's like when the thing that's so horrible about stakeholder capitalism in my book is that, you know, it, it becomes a, you know, a sort of a war of the, um, the muscle men or the muscle women who are behind the scenes and never get really identified and never... You pay a price when things go haywire, and yet they control, you know, everybody else's ability to make money or to survive or to participate in their little game. And I, I would kind of put all of the central banks in this club of being, you know, the real stakeholders here and the ones with the power. And it doesn't really matter what happens on the legislative front or on the military front or anything else. It's all been choreographed so effectively that nobody can trace out who really is, is behind it and as a result nobody is ever going to pay a price when you know the excrement hits the ventilating machine so I, I i do think that there's there's a system at work here but it's not a system that most people can do anything but play along with and hope for the best and that just you know makes me highly suspicious of what's going on you know, in any kind of a sporting event or in any kind of economic climate where I don't think the real players here are stepping up, you know, to the microphone and saying, I'm the one responsible for this. But everybody, you know, pays the price when those people screw up or when they deliberately screw up to save somebody else's butt behind. So um, I, I think there's there's a, a loss of control um, in the, the people who really are, really are the stakeholders, you know, the people whose investments are being played with um, or the you know the value of the money that they have in their bank accounts if they can keep them there, and what's going on there has me even more freaked out. Tom, with you know you've heard about this this problem with crediting deposits in some of the big banks that's been delayed since last Thursday. Um, what, 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 apparently what, not, not. What was that? What's that all about? Explain to everybody. The ACH system, you know, by which automatic transfers take place. If you get you know um, direct deposit for your pay. Or if you're moving money around from account to account, um, it, it's happened. I believe Thursday early in the day, where um, people were getting messages that their deposits couldn't be processed. And you know, some of these people, you know, around the first of the month, you know, if you if you miss a paycheck or your your deposit doesn't get to your bank, you've got automatic payments set up for your mortgage or any bills. Um, that's going to bounce. 
um, and you know the word went out from these institutions that this will be resolved. You know the money will be credited as of Friday. Well, it still hasn't happened um, for every people who everybody who's affected by this, and no real explanation other than that it's a it's a you know a higher up level than the banks themselves are able to deal with, and they suggest you know calling your you know whoever the source of your funds is and find out what they've determine what is going on with it but if, if people start to distrust the ACH system or, or worry that you know the, the funds are going to be there and then they'll vanish later or something else we really do have trouble big trouble well I just I, uh, I wrote something I didn't send out to everybody and for I sent out to Lou and Russell hoping that the two of them would tell me I was nuts um, I'm starting to get this really odd feeling John that what we've seen in the last five or six years is is the biggest? I don't know. I I, I should I should either write more on it and actually publish it to everybody, or probably should shut up about it. One of the two. But I I think that what's happened in the last five six years, you know, especially with the COVID stuff, is the biggest economic I don't know what you want to call it shakeup in the history of, of mankind, where you essentially I've never seen this happen. And I talk all the time about, you know, the history that I've read and Milton Friedman used to go through a lot of this. You know, Weimar Republic and these kinds of places and money supply and you see currencies going crazy and you and you read currency theory. I have it somewhere. I don't know if either one of you guys in an economics class. The classic paper on currency theory was was uh, how cigarettes became essentially the currency in prison war camps and how what would happen as soon as the camp was liberated, and somebody dumped five cases of, of of cigarettes on the place. Now it threw the whole the whole mess up because just because you found the prisoner war camp doesn't mean everybody got out the, for the next day. And it might it might still have been there for a few months, and how it totally screwed up the whole system because now you had now people are running around with twice as many cigarettes and what it did to all the relative pricing of whiskey and blankets and whatever else, maybe pairs of underwear, whatever you needed, and uh, and I think some of the stuff is really well written and, and it's pretty clever. I've never seen anything like this where the government essentially gave upwards of three trillion dollars to quote the right people. Now they threw everybody a bone with about four thousand dollar checks. Is that what they totaled up to? Maybe thirty five hundred, something like that, four thousand? Uh but that was a pimple on the Aspen elephant compared to what they gave other people. And basically denutted everybody worldwide who had their 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 savings in dollars, even here. I mean, if you didn't weren't in the market, if you didn't have a house, or you, if you didn't have some kind of asset, you, they they dropped essentially the wealth of just about everybody by forty percent, and then gave money more than that to people that were the right people. And I don't see how that ever. I don't. I don't know where that happened anywhere in the history of mankind. Maybe the Romans somewhere did something like that. I don't know, but it's and and and, and people don't seem to have figured it out. Yeah, and I'm, I'm just I'm just trying starting to myself. Every time I bring it up to people like Russell and Hal, they go, "Yeah, you're absolutely right." And I'm going, "Wow, if I'm if I'm right, talk about a talk about a crime. It, make, it makes taking the quarterback out on Saturday look look like uh, kid stuff, doesn't it?" I mean, I mean, if that's really, I don't know anybody smart enough to even have planned it that way. But boy, I mean, when you when you talk about people maybe making 17 bucks an hour, they can't afford lunch. And another class of people declining a twenty-one million dollar next year's salary when they when they suck this year, I, some, there, there's a boy, there's a spread in this society, 
And you know the the thing that always bothers me, John, is that the even now I'm going to say, if, I mean, if I knew more about the history of this stuff, the single biggest spread in between the haves and the have-nots, if you were to pick a year, up until maybe now, had to be 1929. And how did that end? Not so hot. You know, I, whenever I think of that, I just keep thinking, I don't want this to end the same way, or in some some sort of a, a big cataclysm. But I don't know how much more you can borrow from most people to give to a few people and expect it to hold on. I, I, don't, I mean, it, it, to me, it's it's unconscionable. I don't, I don't see it. Now, granted, if I was on national TV and one of the nice-looking ladies would be grilling me, if you're so right, why why hasn't it happened yet? I, I don't know. I, mean, I don't want it to happen either. You know, but the point well, is... As you said, Tom, it, it's pretty hard to get most people to even, you know, say in in clear sentences exactly what has taken place. And I think you just did it. And as you said, you know, other people were kind of like, whoa, you're right. But it isn't something that I think is clear to 90% of, you know, the people around today that exactly how they've been hoodwinked and been outmanned or outgunned by thugs, you know, much more powerful than they are. Maybe and misdirected. effectively covered their tracks in, you know, in, in so many ways that nobody is really able to say that's the person, that's the entity responsible, this is how we get back at them. It's all just, you know, shadow boxing. Um, and I, I think people are only just now waking up to how much of their wealth has been frittered away um, by people who clearly targeted it and, you know, banked on there not being any kind of outcry about it or retribution for it or, you know, legal ramifications for doing it or anything else and now there's such there's a stake in protecting all these people oh sure it's the same thing with with the covid mess i mean the the price of, of taking people to the woodshed and making them accountable for what they did is now going to be so great oh we can't do that that would just be the donation of the system but the system is already doing that. so but it's not when, when are people going to wake up and realize that the system we have now is only capitalism for you know and maybe Ten industries, where the rest are not. I don't know what they are. There's some. Right. It's, it's very fascist. When I say fascist, I'm, t- I'm not talking about concentration camp. I'm talking about a fascist system. Is three or four companies in every industry with their nose up the ass of the government. And it, and right. I mean, comp- competition is a central tenet of capitalism. Well, what kind of competition is there today? In, right? in, in virtually no industry is there any. And the weird part of it is, is one that there's still competition is one that people rag on all the time is the oil, is the oil business. <laughs> out of all, out of all the ones we we constantly rag on, that's probably the most competitive, without a doubt. We we have countries that can't even control the price, Saudi and Russia, right? <laughs> and to, to, just just to show the depth of my cynicism, Tom, when I look at a football game now, I see the same kind of competition. It really isn't competition. It's not a fair playing field. No, there's there's, there's invisible things going on here. Um, and every time you know the, the play is interrupted by an ad for FanDuel or something else, I think will just proves my point. Yeah, I don't, you know, the point is, are, are, we, are we going to the, the constant, the, the big split between between pe- people here? And I, 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 the thing is, it's not just that you know you and I and Greg aren't the people with the millions of dollars. It's not. It's not just the jealousy. I, I just think that the economy is in way better shape when everybody can afford a bass boat. Than when three people can afford a yacht, I mean, it is it is it is it is much better for everybody to have everybody involved. You make more money, not less. That's the part that that I mean, if you're going to grow, it's much easier if everybody's growing. 
Matt, if only a few people are growing. And it, it's, I mean, uh, if you're a few people, I think you think, well, don't worry, I'll take care of everybody else. I'll trickle down with the rest of them. But and I, I see the stock market here. I don't, when you see, when you see these seven companies, what if, what if they fall? I'm not saying they're going to. Please don't short them because of me. But they did in 1929. And you go back at everybody was involved. That's the biggest crap of crap ever. 7% of the people in the country in 1929 owned stocks. That, but now way more do we from through uh, you know IRAs, 401ks. But look at how, how concentrated even the market's become. I mean, I'm sitting there going, all these seven stocks uh, that are controlling their 40% of the 45% of the Qs and a big chunk of the S&P. The weird part is, I have a couple of new clients and they want to put their money in the market, and I'm going to put them in some indexes. And guess what? I'm buying those stacks. I can't get around it. Well, you can't though. No. And th- this is part of the you know the stranglehold. You you were just saying you know you think the system functions much better when you know everybody's got a piece of this somehow. And of course I, I agree with you. But to the people you know or the things or the artificial intelligence operations that are are you know pushing the opposite direction, having everybody you know have more opportunities is a threat. This. <laughs> This is not something. Well, it's, you aim it's, for. it's only a this threat. Is something you try to you try, try to resist and and push put out of business. It's it's only a threat. I don't know to people that are somewhat paranoid. I, I you know when I was playing softball, I didn't want to play in a league where we were ten and oh, Why do I want to play against Jerry's kids? For God's sake, I want to play in a league where if we if we play well, we win, and we don't, we lose. I want it to be competitive. That, that's 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 the. That's the spice of life. If it, you know, I guess that makes me different. I, the idea was you won, yeah, but the team we played. <laughs> yeah, it was never about winning. You had to win all the time. You can't have a, a league if everybody really has, has got that kind of mindset because you're going to be you're never going to be happy, you know, or get any pleasure out of the game, which is primarily what it's for. It's supposed to give people, you know, school pride, or, and even in defeat, you, you you feel like you've gained something, you've learned something, you, you've moved on from it you don't you know let it destroy your life or your emotions and and people now are much more fragile about this stuff you know, what do you mean right? we have to to break but what do you make of this uh michigan situation in the case of i was reading this well, you were i don't think you were on the other day when i was talking about it kevin and i were talking about it uh you have now okay there's there's obviously been some issues with michigan how far they go i don't know uh hopefully they don't go as far as you know some people think they are going to go who should should it be the bowl committee? Should it be the NCAA? Should it be the Big Ten? Or should the president of Michigan say enough? I know where I am on this one, but I'm not going to... What do you think? What does Greg think? Well, I don't think there's a college president around who's going to consult all those other entities and let them decide and, and you know save their own posterior. You don't have a college president now with enough nerve to stick up for anything that I can see. And I, I put Northwestern in that spot too with its mess with Pat Fitzgerald I think there's, there's, there's anybody with any bones or, or stamina to take the heat if people disagree with you it's but all it's, about keeping the money for, coming in and keeping you Greg what do you think I think that staying as far away from the problem as possible having the that's North- exactly what you don't want I don't think for a well run college but how many colleges are well run anymore? <laughs> having the having the Northwestern problem seeming I don't know I've actually I think talked with a couple of the players who have been under um, under Fitzgerald and they say this is probably 
just a grudge that this one guy that, that has against and he's trying to cause trouble. So that said, I think I'd much rather have the problems of Northwestern than Harvard supporting or <laughs> yes. tacitly Hamas. supporting <laughs> Hamas. So, and plus, that might be a way to get uh, might be a way to get Harbaugh to the Bears. Why would we want him? Well, <laughs> I mean, can you get much worse than they have now? They're only players. Well, they just, they've got, I mean, they looked pretty decent yesterday. They're better than they were last year. Yeah, and that was one player that they just But every, every time, no matter who's. Well, I don't the, know if they're better than last year. But some but someplace, I don't know, <laughs> we have to break here, but somewhere, whenever you have this, this kid, just like Fields, can do the, a decent job in the first half. He's when, terrible. When, stop. Okay, <laughs> what I'm saying. And all of a sudden you get in a situation late in the game when you have to drop back and they can't protect either one of them. I don't care who you have back there. They can't protect either one of them. As long as you you can't, no matter who you are, you can't throw from the ground. You watch the whole game. Why, why do you think that every time he throws the ball, I know you can't stand a kid because he's because he's from a small school, but but, <laughs> but I mean, why do you think I can't that, stand him because he's bad? Okay, why do you, why do you think every time he throws that he uh, there's there's always somebody in double coverage because they keep the tight end every single play to help one alignment. They have one guy less in the pattern. Well, Komet had two touchdowns, didn't he? But he broke he broke from a from a blocking spot. Yeah, but I'm saying, why do you think these other people have people wide open? They have enough people in the pattern because their offensive line can protect the guy. And if you've got to keep a back and a tight end in, I guarantee you there isn't a – you could have three uh, all-pro receivers and, and you can't get open against five guys. Three all-pro receivers. We need one all-pro receiver. Yeah, we need something. <laughs> but, I mean, look, at every, every time they throw to somebody, this kid, this kid they got this, this one receiver they got is really good. He's double-teamed every play. Yeah, that's a smart thing to do. Well, yeah, but because there's nobody else because they're blocking. Yeah, and – I, don't know I what guarantee you, Johnny. Johnny, you, 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 well, you need run more look, look at the difference between wheel well, routes. You can do it in the first half, but when all of a sudden you have to pass and they know you're doing something, you're screwed. SB Futures up five now, and as if he's up eighteen. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, 
Give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. I gotta, I gotta ask you, how many lifetime Chicago Bear fans? Can uh, recite any of that song past the first two lines. <laughs> I'll give you another one. How many of them can even recite it? Yeah, I, I knew about the tune long before I knew it had words to it. Yeah, <laughs> the uh, well, you know, I was talking about pilfering. You know what the term "Monsters of the Midway" referred to, Matt Byrne? Mm, what's that? Well, it's the Bears, right? Oh, the Bears. Yeah. But it's not really. You know where they pilfered the term from? Where's that? The University of Chicago was the champion of uh, the Big Ten. Huh. Before they dumped football, they were dumped. the Midway, Midway Plaisance, is right by University of Chicago. It's not here. They were known as the Monsters of the Midway because that's the street that bisects the University of Chicago. I always thought the Monsters of the Midway were just the large TSA security guards, but that's oh, just that's oh just God. me, I guess. No, it's not the Monsters at Midway. <laughs> it's the Monsters. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of Monsters of Midway. <laughs> I always see them on the train going south. Yeah. Oh God, the. Uh, how many, aren't there like something like, was there 58,000 TSA people mm. in the country? Something like Isn't that. Isn't that wild? More than referees, I guess. Uh, <laughs> and don't we function well because of it? Uh, oh, yeah, we function well because of it. Um, I, uh, I don't I can't even, I don't even want to go there, but boy, you leave uh, <laughs> the, uh, how many people on any given night, uh, Greg, at the, where Greg works at the, over at the series sometime, uh, board of trade building at night, there's not a soul in the place. There's got to be four to five security guards just standing there, <laughs> and these are these are very nice young people. God, what a waste of talent! Well, you got a large, nice, you know, lobby and space that might as well protect it, or at least have somebody look nice to be but there. But I mean, but I mean, they just think what they could be producing elsewhere instead of standing there. Can you imagine how boring that job has to be? Just stand there for eight hours. Uh, I could, I would put pop in they some even, kind of stealth headset and listen to music. Or they even, they even, when I when I walk by, they can't wait to say hello to me for God's sake. They're just yeah. somebody to talk to for a second. They, I, you know, I'm just saying it's a. There's something like I added up once. There's something like three hundred thousand people in the country working security and police and stuff. Well, what what a waste. We need it. Well, I. 
I don't disagree with that. I'm just saying, what a waste of human talent. Right? How much money do we spend on defense? Um, a lot. Well, we got a lot of people <laughs> sh- want to shoot at us, so. Well, all right. I'm just, I'm just saying. <laughs> what a waste. Of, I'm saying at the end of the day, when you could walk on a plane and didn't need all those people, and they actually had jobs that were making something, the world was a better place for them and us. And who will guard the guards? I don't know. How much is the defense budget? Well, I mean, how could you... When you look at any other... As a guy who's spent some time in manufacturing, how far can you get when every time somebody does something, you have to have two people watching them? You got, look, at, look at the, the, the waste on the trading floor where you got all these... The crowd is now ringed by people watching people trade. Mm. They're, they're regulars. What, what do they do all day? Just watch, just in case. I mean, so you're going to be a welder and... And Matt Weber and John Flanagan, and Matt Weber, John Flanagan, and Matt Burner, we stand and watching you weld. How <laughs> how efficient is that? Could be fun for a little while. Yeah. Five it's, minutes, maybe. Yeah, five minutes, maybe. Yeah. It's good for the eye protection industry. Yeah, it's good for the. It's good for somebody. Um, so, Jan, the how, price of having a surveillance state, Bob. You know. Yeah. Whatever whatever's being done, whatever's being produced, it takes a whole fleet of people to watch them do it. I know it's it, it it is so inefficient. They can't even. Well, trading yeah. arguably, well, no, not arguably. Trading's become much more efficient. Uh, why do you say that? Uh, just volume-wise and cost-wise. Um. Okay. Well, that, that's a lot of things have done that, but is it as efficient as it ought to be? And what makes you think the? Uh, we we could, we could talk about this for, for like forever, but um, Jan, we're in the middle of a political season. Uh, we always seem to be in the middle of a political season. The, the stuff we see happening... Everything is politicized. Yeah, what I, what, I, what I have an issue with is all the stuff between the right and the left and fighting back and forth has, has more to do... Somehow or another, that is such a big diversion to me as to what's actually going on. And I, don't, I don't see one side or the other being the solution at all because they're, they're, they're locked in the fight. They're somehow locked into this, this morass of something going on. And... Uh, I actually heard some guy this weekend talk about how the right and the left used to be fighting over the means to the same end, and now he's convinced that the 20% of the people on the far right and the far left, they don't even have the same end anymore, which is pretty scary, if he's true, if he's right, he might be. Well, that's that's why we have gridlock, I mean, because <laughs> there's, there's so many, you know, Issues people are willing to die on, it seems, or not. Of course, they won't. Nobody really dies ever. Political world, they all get taken care of with some kind of, you know, golden parachute or recompense or board appointment. Whether they'll be okay, but politically, they may be destroyed if they stick their necks out. But there's enough people who see the other side as being so crazy that you know, I've got to be the one to kind of join with the forces to stop them. And it's this life or death struggle. Of course, there's no struggle at all. Just, there's anything happening. There's just such, you know, people locked inside their own prejudices or fears, and you know, nothing gets done. Well, and, and the, the 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 crap, especially, well, now I think, to be honest, most of the, in my, my world, most of the crap is coming from the right. And not because the, you know, it has nothing to do with the principles, if there are any. But, I mean, Joe Biden put together a trillion-and-a-half-dollar bill that the right is incredibly diametrically opposed to, yet their districts are getting just as much money as the other side. And you, and you know they're fighting for every dime while they're in there. 
Same way the other way. I mean, if, uh, if the Republicans put through some tax cut that makes no sense whatsoever, in terms of revenue, I mean, certainly in terms of not, you and me not paying anymore, that makes sense. But it's not, it's not like the left isn't going isn't gonna to take the tax decrease, are they? I mean, they are. You know, I mean, so, I mean, if you, when you put all these bills together, you and I and everybody else can argue about, quote, the, the, the first two pages of the bill, but the, the, the next 4,000 pages are everybody grafting every, every dime of ours for, their, for them. And both sides are doing that. Or where am I wrong? Well, it, it's the thing that gets me the most is how people have, you know, in all of their struggles to kind of go you know, get the microphone for a couple minutes and blast the other side. It's what Henry Thoreau said. It's just it's the machinery of government to give people the sense so something's getting done because there's all these engaged people. And, of course, all they're doing is making sure that nothing, if any significance, ever gets done because deep down they don't want it to happen. I really think it's it's something that I've kind of reluctantly, you know, become aware of. Political system is really designed to prevent any significant change because that kind of a is too dangerous for the people with the biggest stakes in what was happening around them. They don't want, you know, um, if there's a war, they want the war to continue. They don't want the war to stop. Um, if there isn't a war, let's make a war, war because we need that to, you know boost the economy or take people's attention off of something else that we really don't want them thinking about. And all of this is just, you know, the tempest in the teapot at some level, although there are lives being lost and, you know, billions of dollars being squandered in the process. But there isn't any kind of clear thinking or talking about it. And neither party, you know, and maybe this has always been the case, but nobody wanted to admit it, has any real interest in changing any of it. So... I always thought, though, John, and, and you know, you and I had the benefit of some, you know, pretty good education a long time ago. Um, I always thought that when, even though people will try and steal what they can from the system, that when, and maybe this is because, you know, we we were right after the World War II generation, that when times got tough, even though it wasn't like some people didn't steal here or there, uh, pretty much everybody was in it together, and when when there was a crisis. Of some sort, the the stealing was I'm going to say fairly minimal. Um, you had people like uh, you know Harry Truman, who some of the generals you know couldn't stand, and yet uh, Marshall said, "Look, that's his job. This is a democracy. It's very difficult waging a war in a democracy, but that's what we have to do, and that's what we're, that's what we're fighting for. So we just have to deal with it. We can't just throw money around without somebody counting it up. So he was always." And it, one of the things that didn't make him all that popular with his generals is he made sure that they made it to Congress, testified in front of Truman's committees and, and how much you know money was being spent. So I'm not hopefully naive enough to think that you know the Greg Pappas PT boat motor company didn't didn't manage to steal five percent, but it wasn't ninety percent. You know, it might have been ten. But you know, he he spent it in the bars around him and, and paid it to the guys who were working there, actually mostly ladies in those days because the guys were fighting. Um I mean, it, it's always sort of been there. But, John, I mean, you look at these numbers we have, and I the numbers are they're un, they're totally unsustainable. I mean, but at any stretch. And yet I don't see anybody, you watch the campaign tour this year, all they're going to do is blame it on the other side. And yet every single president who's been there in the last how many years has doubled the deficit. Nobody, it doesn't matter who it is. 
you know, Kevin and I have been fighting back and forth on the, you know, what this this administration's done to oil. You know, I you go you look at the oil numbers and who the presidents are. The industry's seemingly bigger than the president, and it doesn't surprise me at all because it's a worldwide stuff. But how many people who argue about taxes even even know how the taxes are are collected? I mean, the you listen to the buffoons and they're not buffoons individually, but when they talk about the tax issue, all they do is rag about is the people who don't pay income tax. How we do, we have to spread the what do they call it? Spread the uh, uh, what's the term? term they use, Jan? We have to spread it to where all people pay income taxes. Yet the federal tax or everybody is a crook. Everybody steals yeah. if they can. That's, yeah, that's the just, uh, I had a wake up call some years ago, Tom, during my academic life. But I, I attended a conference at the DePaul University posted and I went to one of the sessions where this he was a social worker and it was a panel on Im- immigration and its effect on American cities specifically Chicago and he did this really interesting profile of you know composed of various you know think tank positions and interviews with people and hands-on social workers to get an impression of what had changed in the kind of immigrants that were coming to Chicago from Poland just as, as a one case study and well, he said. He said this was, you know, not scientific in, in any more than you could do it in a like fifteen or twenty minute presentation. But he said what what had remarkably remarkably changed for many immigrants was that they lived under a Soviet system for several generations, where they had you know every reason to despise the government as the government presented itself in their daily life, and they brought that hatred of government with them. And when they came to this country, the, the most natural inclination was to steal whatever you can because only the crooks are controlling it, just like what we experienced back in the old country. So they had very little, you know, fear or you know, misgivings about stealing, you know, electricity from the next door neighbor's Commonwealth Edison power lines or water or whatever else, because this is what they really have learned how to do in order to survive at all. They weren't as good at it as Commonwealth Edison was, stealing. Well, yeah, and, you know, but you look at the the culture now, and, I mean, COVID, I think, brought all of this right to the forefront. There, There is so much waste and lack of interest in monitoring what happens. And, this, and we were just talking about a surveillance state, but one of the things that nobody seems to care about is how much fraud or crookedness has to be built into the system at every level. And neither party is, you know, blameless in any of this. And we've just taken the position that you're going to have to steal or be crooked to get by in this kind of world anymore. Let's just admit it. And, you know, you know, let's have a race to the bottom. So that if you have to go 100 miles an hour on the Dan Ryan Expressway for no particular reason, well, you, you can be sure nobody's going to try to stop you, so just go 120 the next time. I, I don't think there's any kind of, you know, restraint on this now, and we've we've just, you know, made it now that only the crooks really get the upper hand, and if you play by the rules, you might as well go to the back of the line. Hey, guess what I saw I, last I, night? Are you, are you seated? Guess what I saw last night coming up on the south side? <laughs> I'm afraid Traffic to ask stop. what it was. Three unmarked, <laughs> three unmarked state police cars on the Ryan, all of them had somebody pulled over. I was stunned when I saw that last night. Is this is there a new sheriff in town or what? Well, I just learned I'm getting a speed bump in front of my house. Which normally I would I'm not a big fan of speed bumps, but anything that will deter people from going eighty miles an hour down my street, I'll accept it. Because <laughs> I'm tired of people getting away with it. So well, you know, I'm only, I'm only hoping the first that, couple of days are going to be interesting for you. 
Yeah. I'm, hope, turn effect on. I'm yeah, hoping I, the people I'm, have the a, only one who noticed that, I'm sure. I'm hoping the uh, the speed bump, a lot of people come down uh, with like sports cars and stuff and just rip the whole bottom out. Well, <laughs> it has happened. Sound like Clint Eastwood. <laughs> well, they, you know, go airborne and crash into a house or something. Well, the, uh, so I'm, I'm looking here at the, at the tax revenue and... Uh, you know what's surprising is the corporate tax revenue is actually up now to about uh, 10% of uh, corporate taxes, maybe like 9 when it has been like 7 so it's actually inching up some. But how many, if you, if you went into a bar tonight or a coffee shop or a library, how many people even can tell you where all the taxes come from? Everybody will say it's from income taxes. U.S. federal tax revenue is $4.4 trillion. Income tax is 2.1, so less than half. Payroll is 1.6, which is almost as high as the income tax. So does it say that that people who are under, you know, making under 40 grand or something don't don't pay? Uh, last time my brother did this for me, I think a family of four that owns their own house. This is he did this like 10 years ago. So it's got to be higher. Owns their own house, has a mortgage deduction and that kind of stuff. Probably has to make something like 48 grand before they pay a dime in income tax, right? But their payroll tax, they're, they're paying right out of the gate. Right. Um, they're paying any kind of excise tax if you do anything. I don't even know what excise tax are on anymore. Our total state revenue and total local revenue are almost as high as total federal revenue. They're they're three point five, not almost as high, but they're seventy five percent of it. Everybody pays that, right? Everybody pays the tariff stuff. Everybody pays the state tax and well, gift tax, that sort of thing. Um, so it's not, you know, the income tax is only really one leg of a four legged stool, right? I mean, you've got excise, you've, or I mean, you've got payroll, you've got state, and you've got local. So the idea that somebody who's not paying income tax isn't paying any taxes is is, is pretty, is you know, fairly ignorant. Uh, just saying, um, state and local spending is up to ten trillion dollars. Like that's a lot of dough. This is not a page anybody wants to really look at, but it's 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 somewhat sobering. And uh, you know, you look at uh, college tuition. 2000. I'll put this in your CPI uh, pipe and smoke it, Mr. Pappas. College tuition now, 26 grand, which is which is low compared to what you're yeah. paying for everybody. Uh, college tuition, 2000, 10,000. So that's two and a half times, 2.7 times. I bet the CPI would say it should be 1.5 or something, or 1.7. I mean, all this stuff is uh, median income, 36,000. Median income, 2000, 32,000. Median new home now. 427, median new home of 167, average new car now 51,000, average new car in 2000, 22,000. So all these things are 2.7 times higher than they were, and the CPI would probably tell you it should be 1.8. That's a big difference. It's a huge difference. Um, you figure in your Chick-fil-A meal. Yeah. To Kevin about too. Well, but you can't, I don't see how you can possibly have uh, the people who work in there Expecting to have lunch in there? No. I mean, I don't. You know, I don't know how you. I don't know, I don't know how you go there. I mean, I. I'm going to say what. What percentage? We'll ask Greg this because I love. I love pumping. Sometimes they'll give you a shift lunch, so maybe. If well, you if you do, if you work a shift, then you get a you get a meal. Well, they could throw me a chicken sandwich. It's well, it's cost them twenty cents. I don't know. Well, you're, you know, you're you're a defender of the restaurant guys. You know, I, I would I would estimate their food cost is roughly around thirty percent. Um, maybe. 
with all the packages. I mean, it's Bobby probably... DeBay's time I worked a summer job at Campbell Soup, and you could eat in the Campbell Soup cafeteria as an employee. you get a bowl of soup for a nickel. Guess what I ate for lunch every day? I get a bowl of soup. <laughs> I'll bet a big guy like you hoarded the crackers. You probably took some home. <laughs> I see John with a big pile of a big pocket full soup, of crackers. Yeah, which soup? Chicken noodle? Tomato? I, I was dealing with back on the floor, Tom. Matt Byrne wants to know what kind of soup you were partial yeah, what to. what soup? It was usually tomato. Ah, uh, yeah. Got Same. creative there. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> and, and you could buy it for 10 cents a can in the employee store. So my dad would give me like five bucks if every Monday <laughs> I'd haul all this stuff home in the trunk of the car. We yeah. had Campbell Soup in the basement for like a fallout shelter. <laughs> well, when I, my first uh, job was at Hilo Foods. Remember that place, Jen? The, uh, and, yeah. and Hilo zeroed in on back before people had like really big freezers and stuff, Greg. The canned food aisle was, people got, they, they just bought all kinds of canned food. I mean, I, I can't remember the last time I had canned vegetables or something, you know, because now everybody's got a freezer and frozen or so much better. But the kind of Hilo's big thing was they, they had some nondescript brand of pop. It wasn't, you know, or soda. It wasn't Coke or anything like that. Meat or a cola? No, it was all cans. Can. It was a dime a can. Can or cola. And people would come in with like, you know, six kids. And like half half the, the basket would be dime. And, I'm, and, I'm, and instead of being in cases, I had to bag all that stuff. Imagine bagging like 100, 100 cans of pop. Which, which nice. is yeah. and they, but that's But they, they would just would have constant amounts of, of canned goods. Because most people had the, the freezer with the little... The little freezer in the middle for the ice cubes, and you might have something yes. you could put in there for like a day. <laughs> the ice box. Three square feet. Yeah, it was like um, S&P Futures. John, we hang around for Nancy. John, S&P Futures yep. up four, and Nancy Futures up 19. Be right back, Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. 
I think it is time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, and welcome to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Howe. We got Matt Byrne on the board. We have John Flanagan with us. We also have Nancy in a minute. Um, I'm here. I'm here. You're here. Citigroup considered deep, deep job cuts. For CEO Jane Fraser's corporate overhaul, cut the fat. Cut the fat. Problem is, what if we're the fat? That's not. That's not good. It's like cut out the middleman. Wait a minute. We are the middleman. Well, cut ourselves out. Dow futures up seven. Uh, we've got mixed bag around the rest of the world. Europe is mixed. Uh, Dow's, uh, Dax is down forty-one point three percent. FTSE up eight. They just went positive. 0.1%, CAC around down 32.5%. Malaysia, huge rallies coinciding with South Korea stocks going up 5% because they have banned short selling. So you can only buy, you can't ever sell. We'll, that'll make us all wealthy. Kneecap 758, 2.3%. Hang Seng up 302, 1.7, almost back to 18,000 now, 17,966. Shanghai up 27.9%, over 3,000, 3,058. Friday, big rally. Dow was up 222, S&P up 40, NASDAQ up 184. Uh, bonds, up six basis points, 4.62. Now these guys back off of a 5% number real real steep on Wednesday. That's one of the real reasons why we're, why we're up this much the last few days. The Bund up eight basis points, 2.71. Japan down four basis points, 0.88. Oil up 94 cents, uh, 81.45. Brent up 86 cents, 85.75. Saudi Arabia and Russia say they're going to stick to their cuts, even though it hasn't really affected prices very much. Natural gas down 17 cents, 334. Arab up 2 cents, 222. We've got gold uh, down 570, 1993. Kind of really hanging in this high 1900 number. Silver down 5 cents, 2323. Copper down 3 cents, 371. We've got Bitcoin up 11 bucks, so call that flat, 35,077. The dollar, an issue again today. It's down some more. The euro is up to 107, over 107, 107.4. The pound is almost pushing 124. Both of these are a lot higher than they were two weeks ago. Now we're being lower. Hmm. Now we got force traffic, weather, sports. Bears suck. Irish suck. <laughs> no good, no good. But uh, currently 7.35 a.m. on November 6, 2023. Weather in Chicago, currently 55 degrees with a high of 67 today. Windy today with partly cloudy skies. Tomorrow, cooler temperatures with some sun. Down in Phoenix, Arizona, clear skies, 64 degrees currently, a high of 92 down there. Sunny skies expected there and throughout the week. 
In the NFL yesterday, Bears lost to the Saints with a final score of 24-17. Quarterback Tyson Bajant threw for 220 yards, rushed 70, and scored two touchdowns. Tight end Cole Komet scored an additional two touchdowns and had six total receptions. This marks the Bears' seventh loss this season. So far. Yeah, and that score is only going up. Back to you, Chief. Well, and Nance has managed to not reach the sword for the short sword because she didn't, she didn't watch it. Now, Nancy, you know, I don't want to say anything negative here, but if you had this kind of an imagination, we'd all be working for you and we'd be making a fortune. Uh, this is talking about CEO. Citigroup CEO Jane Frazier's reorganization has discussed job cuts of at least 10%, several major businesses, according to sources. Sources. Executives will see cuts beyond 10%. Also, Frazier's pushed to eliminate regional managers, co-heads, and others that overlapping responsibility. I hate being a co-head. The corporate overhaul now, if you know how to do this, Nance, known internally as Project Bora Bora. How's that for a name? Sounds like we're going back to the Flintstones. Yeah, was was wasn't that a is that an island in the Pacific, World War Two? Yeah, II? yeah like I, that, I yeah. believe so. It was part of wasn't it part of Midway? I'm not sure. Was it? Well, I don't know. I don't know. But something got to do with the war. Island yeah. in French Polynesia. Polynesia. Yeah. Bora Bora. Okay. Wasn't there a movie that took place over there or something? There was something. Yeah. What the? So uh, chop chop. You don't want to have to be co-heads and doesn't want people with overlapping responsibilities. Isn't that what defines a bureaucracy? Just saying. Um, I have no idea. I, I, mean, I think they should start at the top myself. Well, they're not going to fire themselves or cut themselves their own pay. Why would you do Why that? Why not? Because you're the one who's important. You're impotent. Well, I, I don't know. I, I That's what I kind of think has to happen. I think some of these CEOs have to take less show that they're willing to um, lead. Nance, I, I would, yeah, I'll bet you breed. I'll bet you if we're both in heaven or the other place, I'll bet you that if Chicago gets down to 50 people, they'll still have 50 aldermen. <laughs> and they'll still be fighting. They'll still be fighting and they'll still have a big budget. <laughs> oh, God, that is hilarious, Tom. <laughs> what are the chances? It, it, it is. It's great. What do you think of the chances one day, if Chicago goes down, which I sure as hell doesn't happen, if they go down to like a million people, do you think they're going to walk in one day and say, you know, we should really vote for a 25-person city council? That'll never happen. I don't know. They, unless they all quit at once. I mean, it's, it's so... It's corrupt. I mean, I don't know what other word to use. I mean, I don't think they they're They think in, they're all doing the job. They think they're... What job? What, what, what? Destroying the city? They, I mean, they, we managed to do that well. They, 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 I'm sure every one of them says it'd be a lot worse if it wasn't for me. Well, I, I guess we can all believe in fairy tales. Well, yeah, but it's a, it's why you don't, you don't get to grade yourself. That's why, you, that's why you play sports. I mean, because guess what? If the other guy's way better than you, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't win. But if you, if it's all on you, that's a whole difference between a corporate or a CEO. Well, there's nobody better than me. How do you know that for sure? There isn't anybody else here. I deserve a raise. Well, why? <laughs> if, if there's nobody to compete against, it's a whole different world. That's why when you pay sports, you know right away if you suck, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I agree, but if I were her, I would start with my own. I mean, what's her own salary? Well, she just she got the job. I think she just got the job, didn't she? I'm yeah, not sure if she's would, doing it. 
I would definitely take a pay cut and set the example that, you know, this is the way it's going to have to be. Um, so. You know what, Matt? Why don't you dig and see what she makes per year? <laughs> and once you once you started, okay. You know the what's her name? The uh, name once again, Jane Fra- uh, Fraser at Citigroup. Mm-hmm. Citigroup CEO. Right. Remember the, the lady who uh, went to uh, Hewlett Packard, the Anson oh, Jan. Uh, yeah, the day the day she signed on, the bonuses to get her there. Whitman, yeah, the, the bonuses to get her there. She made more than the other guy had made his entire time he was there. These people, they don't have an ego. They have an ego, Nance. <laughs> they, they are they are the second coming. They, they're they're like Solomon. This is according to Nasdaq.com. Citigroup awarded Jane Fraser compensation of twenty four point five million for twenty twenty two, her first full year as chief executive officer of the company. And that I ain't mean, bad. Who needs to make twenty four point five million? I mean, come on. She, I'm sure she thinks she's underpaid. <laughs> what is Jamie Diamond? I'm sure she, uh, she makes less than him, and she's probably pissed. What does Jamie Diamond make, Matt? Jimmy Diamond, all right. All right, Nance, what's going on in the in the real estate world? Odds uh, still got some people and doing some stuff. And uh, matter of fact, she's busy as hell. Uh, but that, I think she has. But she's getting people who are um, downsizing and leaving. Yep. Um, you're getting. Uh, I mean, this week I got a you know court ordered uh, mortgage. Uh, so there's still divorce, and then, but the average person is staying put. So um, it's going to be, a, you know, we're slow. There's just no way out of it. We're slow. Well, that's years in the business, and there, because she has so many people, she's done stuff for. She right, she, she, she can, yeah, she can operate. Yeah, she can operate in that area where some people are moving up and some people are moving down, and she's kind of got a niche there. Which is just right. just general stuff. I think it's pretty awful, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's not good right now at all. It's really not. There's nothing more you can say. I mean, there's no ex. The explanation is the economy, the high rates. People are used to somewhere between two and four percent, and that's just long gone, and it's not coming back anytime soon. Well, how long? Uh, and the people waiting for it aren't, aren't you know most likely going to get it, but they'll be waiting a very long time. How many people are grabbing the uh, adjustable rates, hoping it's coming back? Nobody. You're not because you, you, I read some stuff from time there's, to time. There's in not nature. a big enough spread to really justify doing it. Okay. By the way, this is from Reuters. Uh, Jamie Dimon's total compensation for 2022 is unchanged at 34.5 million. She's underpaid. <laughs> by ten. Yeah. yeah. By ten. <laughs> I mean, if, she, if she was sitting next to you, having a cup of coffee, Dan, she'd say she's underpaid. She's getting screwed. I'd have to pick up the tab for her. Yeah, you'd have to pick up, you'd have to say, can I buy your coffee? And she'd say, okay. There you go. Yeah. You, 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 don't, you don't have the right mindset for this. That's why, you know, that's why we're not all working for you. Okay. You just it's get, all right. It just, when when you, you can never get enough. I'm giving you part of my salary, so maybe you would all be working for me. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, but that would, see, you, you, you know, you, you're not one of these people that all you want is more. Because if all you want is more, you're never satisfied. Well, that's true. That's true. So you know, you you, you can't be happy with just a regular pick me up. You got to have like someone with the the sides come up and all kinds of stuff. And there's always something more. I don't know. I, I'm happy the way I I feel good. I'm going through those pearly gates. That's there you the go. Thing. You know. Well, take us with you. Yeah, I mean, I put in a good word for us, but don't go first, though. I don't want you going first. Anyway, I don't know. So what the what? How long? I mean, a question for me is. 
how long can we be in this somewhat holding pattern uh, between incomes not having to go up or not going up as fast as maybe they ought to be and how, how long if the rates stay at 8% which I hope they don't uh, how long can the prices hang in there at 500,000 average house countrywide I see a, 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 a boy a four, the road's going to come together in a big crash here one of these days I mean if that I don't I can't that, the numbers just can't can't compute not enough people can afford a house at that number at 500,008% well I don't feel that they, I feel the issue is that the people that have the two to four percent homes are not moving and that's so it's causing inventory to become very low and if the inventory is low then other people can the the ones that are out there are going to ask whatever they feel they can ask right just according to your underpaid theory so they're going to ask whatever they want to ask and then it's just going to keep on going and i i would say we're going to have another and look, she's going to lay off people, so those people are going to go, and instead of them foreclosing, they're going to give them some kind of, God only knows what, but it'll be some kind of package where they'll add it to the end of their mortgage, then rather than have all these homes go into foreclosure. So it's going to last probably another two, three years. Do you think, Nancy, do you see any uptick in home equity loans? In your Yeah, that's what everybody's doing. They're adding um, home equity loans. The only... The only problem with that is the home equity. The home equity is based on prime, and I think prime is eight yeah. percent. So the only good thing is they're only paying the interest, and now they're making the home equity loans um, where they're thirty years, so that you don't have to renew them. They're not making them a balloon. Some are, some aren't, but they're. They're making them a 30-year product where you can only draw on them for 10 years, and then the other 20 years you have to pay them back. So they're pushing off the problem um, till later. But if I'm they thinking. were all balloons, there would be, you know, back in the day, everything was a balloon. So if your five- or seven-year balloon came up, they, they couldn't pay them. Current prime rate is 8.5%, so they're actually higher than the mortgages. God, how could Prime be that high? Well, it just is. That's that's scary. So, I mean, we got multiple you got multiple issues going on at the same time, and they're not going to do what they did before, where if you didn't make your payment, they went into foreclosure because they had. We already tried that, right? It was a mess. So, there. If you call your your mortgage company, depending on who owns it, if Fannie and Freddie own it, at the end of the day. They are just adding it on to the back end of the mortgages. Not for everybody. And it can't be like for, you know, eight or nine months in a row. But if you're, you know, two or three months behind, or you had COVID or something like that, they've, you know, they'll add it back on. But then you got to get current and stay current. You can't do it again. So they're, uh, to your point, Tom, I don't believe the problem is going to get as big as 2008-2009. And then you'll have this glut of, you know, foreclosures coming on the market. I don't believe that's going to happen. I, I really, really got, hope. I hope you're right. Some of the right. problems are just going to be faced further on down the road. They're kicking the can. I, I hope you're right, and I think you probably are. I think, however, if you look at just the raw numbers, and who can afford a house, put this way: what percentage of the population can afford the median house at the median mortgage? 
I think the numbers are actually worse than 2008. But they don't have all the other stuff, the, the crazy people, you know, they had a whole bunch of mortgages and the two and three mortgages because they're flipping houses. You know, I don't think we have anywhere near that, that's how you say, ancillary stuff going on. But right. I think the, the raw right. numbers are every bit as bad, if not worse. Right. I, I agree. I agree. It's just the results might be a little different because I, I do believe they are kicking the can down the road. Well, that's why I, I brought both of these subjects up because if you have an area, let's say like, you know, Orland, the place where you and I do some stuff, uh, well, you guys do stuff all over. You are up north yesterday. So it's not like if you – put it this way. You can use Nancy or Audrey. If you, you don't have to live in Orland to do that. Let's put it – how's that for a, way, a shameless plug for you guys? But yeah, I mean, uh, we were, I think, five miles away from the Wisconsin border. Yeah. And, uh, it was beautiful. I know you were having lunch on some lake up there, talking bad about yeah. me. You know, it's I know how this works. Actually, we weren't talking about you at all, Tom. We just said that it was a shame we missed it. Yes. Um, anyway, <laughs> but I, I, my my fear is uh, I try and t- put this stuff together as best you can. If this lady had a big, this lady, the lady who's the chairman of, C- of Citigroup, if Citigroup had a. A, uh, a management building in Orland with 500 people in there and they all got canned tomorrow and all of a sudden 200 houses were on the market I think the world would look a lot different than Orland than it does right now and I'm wondering what that number would be how much how much of a forced sell you'd need for this to be bad I I think if it's 100 people I don't think it wor- I don't think it's a bad deal if it's a thousand I think you, I think Orland's got a problem because I mean the numbers just I don't see how you get a thousand people moving in at today's prices at eight percent if all of a sudden a thousand people have to flee at the same price that's that's my concern Nancy that's sort of what happened in 2008 if it doesn't happen that way I think we work we work our way through it hopefully well okay so you're saying that all the people that are left from city go work in city work in Orland no, no I'm saying if it turns out that in other words, what you and I have been describing is the prices have hung in there because not very many people are moving, and the supply and demand is such that the prices are not only staying even, they're actually inching up a little bit. I'm saying is how how tentative is that number that if there were a thousand people ahead of Skedaddle of Moreland in the next three months, how how big of a hit is it going to take? Because somewhere along the line here, not enough people can afford the houses at these prices. Is the point I'm trying to make. Maybe, right. Maybe. Well, then, then you would have another incident where another factor go into the equation, and that factor would probably cause the prices to come. It probably cause the prices to come down. But um, we did an open house this weekend, also. Yeah. Besides yesterday's run, and that house is it's beautiful, but dated, and it's not everyone's taste. And that's going to sit for a while. You can just see the interest is just not there. But now, no one's interested in clean, you know, chain buying the. It's a it's a great home. I mean, all the basics are there. The, the this is strictly about not being updated. And I don't mean the furnace, the air conditioner, the roof. This house is pristine on the inside. It's just dated. But everyone's, but you you've talked, and so is odd. I guess what I'm trying to tie this together is that. You're saying that most people are putting, not their last nickel, but close, into the mortgage. So they really want a place that's move-in ready. They don't want to go in there and have to spend twenty grand when they don't have the twenty grand, right? So now it seems to me if you can get one of these places a little less, 
and you can actually go get one of these loans, like, like John was talking about, you could actually, it would actually be worth it to you. In other words, you, you'd, you'd be adding your equity to the point where you, you know, might not actually, might actually be a good deal is what I'm trying to say, stump lamely here. I don't know what what loan is John talking about. John? So you're saying about the you guys are talking about the uh, home equity loan. Well, that's at eight and a half percent interest. So, um, and that still has to be paid off. So, right. um, maybe that's that that's the problem. If that were lower, that'd be fine. Credit cards are up to what twenty twenty nine percent interest. So they have nowhere to go to get cheap money. Right. Yeah. That's where the problem is right now. Somebody's got to have cheap money. And they Nancy, don't do you, have it. Sorry, do you see, um, I, don't, I don't know how much you, you get a sense of this from talking to people, but when, when they you know are in the market for a home equity loan, is it because they're already stretched even with a 3 to 4% mortgage yes. on their house already? Yep. They, they, yep. they can't sustain their, their cash flow. They don't have enough That's money correct. for their credit card bill. Right. Yeah. So this is all about cash flow. So in Tom's example, even if you get it for less, it doesn't make any. It doesn't really make any difference because if they don't have the money to do the um, update, what good is it? But here's 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 something. Like I told someone that was interested in this home on Saturday, I said, "Why don't you do this? Put, you know, and if you're going to put forty percent down, let's just say, you know, why don't you figure out how much do you think it would take to to update this to really make you happy, you know." all the way and then you know crazy all the way and then just the minimum like take down the wallpaper repaint you know just the minimum and uh, maybe put in you know uh, higher toilets these toilets are from the 80s where they were real low um, because people were skinnier like back it. then yeah right <laughs> and so maybe just do the minimum you know and then say to yourself, okay, if, if I took that money out of my down payment money, right, so you would have the money, then you're just going with the um, interest rate of maybe seven and a half to eight, and you're not even getting into the prime rate. You're not adding that on, so that when you come home every night, you're happy to begin with. Maybe try something like that. Well, you and, could conceivably put on an addition or fix something up and have it, quote, be worth it. I mean, you're paying interest on it, but still, I mean... It, you you could make this house say it's worth four hundred. You could make it worth four fifty, right? You wouldn't necessarily be losing your money on, well, on the updating. You see, but Tom, when when the bottom falls out, as we've been discussing a little bit earlier in this conversation, it's if the prices are dropping, they're dropping. Yeah, that's true. So you've got to be in a position where they can live in their own cash flow, and that I see is the 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 biggest problem they're having right now. What have you heard from people? Uh, as somebody who did a bunch of work this weekend at my place and was heading back and forth to Menards and Home Depot, yes, they, by the way, with the, with the time change, I was at the Menards like 7.15, they were happy to see me. Uh, I got a, a gallon of stain, a gallon of Rust-Oleum, and two things of caulk, 140 bucks. What is, do, do people spec out what a, uh, an, up, an update would be, or God help you, if you got to put on an addition or something, what's the cost of that now? It's got to be to the sky. Well, I, that's. I just tell them to go home and think about it from this perspective because that's the only thing I can think of that allows people some hope that they could actually get in this home, be happy when they come home, and then not be out of their cash flow debt 
you know, they have enough for this and they have enough for that. Tom, the more interesting question for me is, um, like, I've had workers in and I always offer to buy them lunch. Okay. How much does the average, you know, if you really offered to buy workers lunch, maybe I'm spending 20, 25 bucks. Where are you going? That same lunch now could be what, 50, um, 60? I mentioned the, the guy in front of me at Chick-fil-A yesterday. My guy's got his two uh, sons working for him. They're young kids. What I mentioned was the, if you got an appetite, a sandwich at Chick-fil-A is not cutting it. So one guy has two, two things of the strips. Another guy has a nugget. They both get a medium fry. No drinks. I had drinks at the place. And the guy who's uh, doing it, he gets a, a salad. 61 bucks. This is what I'm saying. Yeah, so, like, I mean, it's, I mean, it's a whole. You got to consider everything now because it's getting so crazy. And the bag, the bag wasn't even heavy. I don't. I bet they were still hungry. Yeah, I, I, I understand what you're saying. So, I'm, that's what I'm saying is, I'm trying to get people to understand when you, when you do this now, please be happy and have it all rolled in this one rate. Yeah. Not variable, one fixed rate mm. that you're going to be able to make this payment. Okay, because who knows what's going to happen going forward as far as how much the debt's going to be. Like I had something go with my wrong with my um, Nest cameras. Okay, and I couldn't figure it out and fix it. So I called Ace Hardware has a service now where they will come out and do some odd jobs. And the man on the phone said, "Well, it'll be two hundred dollars an hour, and we've never done something like this before." And I said, "Okay." What happens if you come out and you can't fix it? And he goes, well, then I guess we won't charge you. And I said, what happens if you, and if you come out and fix it? And he said, then it'll be $200 whether he stays eight minutes. Oh, yeah. So. Well, they're doing that in the city. And those are the kind of things you have to be able to live with when you go in and buy the house. So if you've already gone in and and got your mortgage at the fixed rate of eight, let's just say 8% for the heck of it, okay? And then you have to go out and get a second mortgage for this. Prime rate at eight and a half, that's eight and a half today. It's only going. It's just going up, and we all know prime might be going up even more. So now they've got another payment. Yeah, well, I started the day at the Dunkin' Donuts, thirty-two bucks for a couple oranges, a couple of coffee, a couple of donuts, and a couple of bagels. That was breakfast. So I was always on. Was that for the workers too? Yeah, I was on and out. Well, I, I got a coffee for myself there, so I had, had myself. So. Okay, but it's it's a so it was a hundred dollar day just trying to be nice and yeah, breakfast and lunch. being grateful. Yeah, yeah. And Real appreciation. And I'm not saying the food was any good anyway. It was okay, but it just I mean it's well, yeah, it's really up you're there. Not even, go ahead. I'm saying it's. I, I think if somebody really needs to spec out. I mean, you know, I mean, try and find a. I mean, if you if you like Ralph Lauren paint, what is it? A hundred bucks. I don't know how a shirt yeah. got into the paint can, but somehow or another it did. I mean, it, it, the cost of this stuff is to the moon. It's absolutely to the moon. I mean, two years ago, you get a, you know a tube of clock was six bucks. Now they're ten. I mean, it, everything is forty, fifty percent higher than it was five years ago. And, and and we seem to be in this denial. I don't know. I don't know quite why why we are. It just it's just more. John, what's your opinion? I I just see this as a you know the, the pressure on people to keep their heads afloat. Even if you've got a mortgage payment you can well afford and you got a house you're happy in and you don't really have to consider moving, all you need is 
you know, some kind of job disruption where your hours get cut or your job gets eliminated or your car breaks down or somebody gets sick or any any number of things that you can't really predict. Um, and it's, you know, it's always been enough to put some people under financially and drive them to bankruptcy. And I just think now that the risks are higher than they've ever been and that the chances are smaller than they've ever been to to be safe for any kind of extended period even with everything looking okay on paper because the stuff that's written on paper is not long lasting and it can change overnight with cataclysmic results and there's no way that you can ever really feel comfortable anymore because it's really frightening for me well guys we're going to run over a few minutes here because we started a few minutes late I got this one standing in front of me I need to ask, ask you about it a major 623,000 square foot office tower in Chicago recently sold for $45 million, which comes out to a shockingly low, I guess, $72 a square foot. That's cheap. What makes this deal more incredible is that it sold for one twenty-two in 2014, so that's nine years ago. Roughly a 65% discount, and likely much more if you want to use the market value of pre-pandemic highs. The purchase price is just half the amount Morgan, a $88 million Morgan Stanley loan provided the seller in 2019 as part of a refinancing deal. Ouch. How much? How did, how did, is, this, is this 161 North Clark then? I, I'm, I'm going to say you could make a stab on the building. But 60, all it says here is 623,000 square foot office tower. It's got to, must be, John, you know that. But these numbers, they're incredible. How, who, who takes the $80 million hit on this thing? Right, well, the JP Morgan will, I guess. Yeah. No, Morgan Stanley. And then whatever the FDIC has to pay them back. Mm-hmm. And what's it going to do to the tax? I mean, uh, what's the city expecting to get a tax, uh, the same tax number out of this place? I don't think they're going to get that. They'll, they'll, they'll be fighting that bill for several years because there's no way they're going to pay, you know, the assessor's valuation on that when that's the, you know, the, the value that we're looking at now. And that, that's just a, it's, it's a sign too, Tom. I think. That's probably a decent office building, but by that I mean one that's not, you know, 30, 40, 100 years old, um, that has some kind of survival chances. But that's that's the exception now to downtown Chicago. There's so many other buildings in much worse shape than that. Well, i got to ask you one final question and we got to go. If Nance were to let loose the purse a little bit and we were to grab $45 million out of there, is this a buy at $45 million or is this, or are, we, are we trying to catch the knife by the point? I don't know what you're going to do with the time to make $45 million back on it. <laughs> so you don't think it might not even be a buy at $45 million? No, unless you've got a really good you know, group of people who can you know, float some idea or make this, a, you know, reconfigure this in some way that just changes the whole playing field. I don't think there's that much talent around these days. You don't think they can actually just go back to being an office building that's 20% more full two years from now? Well, I think we should get in, in business with you know Maduro and Venezuela and have his people live there, maybe. Oh, good, Nance. What do you think? Would you are you forty five bid or not? Uh, no. I mean, this is part of the problem. We didn't even get into this section of the problem when you're updating your house, Tom. Well, what's this what is you, the same thing? Maybe you know, even though it's a great deal on paper, how are you going to fill those offices with right. way downtown? Right. No one wants to go downtown right now. Yeah, do you, and then they, we. We go back to that the um, time, you know, our 
aldermen aren't paid enough. Maybe you should put all the aldermen in the building. Oh, God. Well, as you were saying in training <laughs> for me, be, be careful about catching the falling, falling knife. The tip might be the part coming right at you. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, and, and where are we going to house all the immigrants? I mean, have they even come up with an answer for that for the winter? No. You know, it's cold in Chicago, I heard. Um, this is the first time I've heard this. I would say let's look on the south side. It's half empty. You know, there's not a. It's half empty. What does that mean? Well, uh, Nance, I know you're you know you're one of these suburban ladies. If if you were you know with the people like the rest of us, and we get get I'll get you on the Rock Island on the left side of the train heading south. You know where the, the Robert Taylor homes were? That aren't there anymore. It's got to no. be like it like across from um, where Sox, they across from Sox uh, Park across from the expressway. It's got to be a half a mile by four miles, just grass. There's nothing there. And that's where you want to put them out I'm on saying, the grass? It's not like we don't have any vacant land in this city. God bless. We have to even when you get further south where the houses are, there's half a, there's whole blocks with four houses on them. Where, where do you think these hundred and some thousand people that, that moved out of Inglewood what do you think's behind them when they left? Vacant property. There's nothing okay, there. So this is around Bronzeville, Washington. Yeah, Park. I'm just saying it's not like we don't yep. have any room here. We have we have schools that there's nobody in them anymore. We've got what about the Sears, that huge Sears complex down the, by the Skyway? Mm. How many kids go to CVS? Mm. Jan, 500, used to be what, 10,000? And they had a junior college there too. Yeah. Get some tents up. What, what, the one thing we don't we have in the city is room. That's that's the problem. We need some people with a job is what we need here. Anyway. We do have a deep tunnel top. We can always put people there. <laughs> Oh my God! God. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you put him in the corner place where we had all the? Um, right, didn't we build the hospital in there? Take it down? I mean, do we the beds sp- still lock? We after after nine eleven, we supposedly can house forty thousand people if there's a disaster. We can't afford. We can't. We can't. We can't house four thousand, let alone forty. Where'd all that money go? Don't get me started, guys. Thank you. For, you already got me started, Nance. But you guys. <laughs> Anyway, hope to see both of you guys soon. SP Futures up 9, NASDAQ Futures up 36. He says that every week and then doesn't invite us. Can you believe that, John? Uh, oh, God. <laughs> I can believe it. My, my friend won't come my way into the city. You know that. Who's your friend? Me and John. Audrey. <laughs> Audrey won't come this way. I, I, I and your dog that has a poo problem. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we'll be back tomorrow. Stars and Jacks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. CairoMed, 
back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. Now's my shit together, is my shit together.